Hello, everyone. Welcome to Arash's World. Today, we have a special guest, Joy Fitzgerald. Welcome. I am so delighted to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for, for being here. And so um, what I'd like to start off with is a brief description of yourself. How would you describe yourself here to our audience? Wow, I would describe myself as a consummate ideator. I'm someone who loves to always be thinking of new things, uh, new ways to improve, connect, and engage with people. So that would probably be the first word. The second word I would use to describe myself is an advocate. I believe in helping to be a bridge and build bridges for individuals who are underserved, underrepresented, and maybe even disproportionately um, advancing uh, across the world today. Oh, what a beautiful introduction. And uh, so today we're going to talk about uh, your book, uh, Finding Authentic Rhythm, How to Win on Your Terms in Corporate America. And so um, there, there already in the title, there are certain things I really like. I like authentic. I like rhythm. So that, that kind of involves also a certain kind of like flow as well as dance. And mm -hmm. uh, your your terms, right? So yes. kind of negotiating and settling also in different ways than just accepting the status quo and trying to change things too and being yourself. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about your book. Yes. Well, you know, the book for me is is a passion. And right now it's kind of my new baby, my new child, <laughs> uh, because it's something I'm certainly... Um, very, very much connected to in many different regards. It's really about me wanting to share many of the lessons learned. I've created a number of tools and um, I guess you would say methodologies to help people think differently about how we approach one of the most important things in our lives outside of our family. And that's our career, our career journey, where we spend majority of our time on any given day, the people we work with, and how we are approaching the mindset of working in whether it's a for-profit, nonprofit, or entrepreneurial effort. So this book is me sharing uh, many of the mistakes that I made, um, talking about many vulnerable experiences in hopes that it would help others to approach um, their career journey and even life. Um, better prepared than I felt I was. And I think one of the things is uh, many people don't feel connected to to their work, don't feel connected to their careers, or they don't feel that they are appreciated in that uh, place, the workplace, or even within the career. So um, what would you recommend? Uh, what could we do in that situation? What's what's actually amiss? What's wrong in, in many of those cases? Yeah. Well, I will tell you a couple of things. One, I don't know about you, but growing up, I was always very envious of people who had the perfect answer when anyone asked them, what do you want to do when you grow up? What's your path or plan for five years? I never really had an answer that was my answer. Mm -hmm. The answer that I gave in many cases were the answers that my parents taught me. Um, or, or that friend said, oh, you're good at this. You're great at that. But I never really did the self-work to think about my purpose, what I wanted to do, how I wanted co to contribute my talents, my energy, um, and my experiences in, in time 
uh, to my career. So that would be one thing. I think it's important for everyone to start with asking yourself, what is your purpose? Why are you in the role or the career you are in today? And if that answer isn't uniquely yours, Mm -hmm. then you really have to walk through the book to figure out and go through the steps to go through that self-discovery period and process to come up uh, with your purpose. But the problem is often we're discouraged from those friends, from the parents Mm -hmm. where we say, I want to do this. They say, have you really thought about it? Or you may be very good at that. And that creates that self-doubt that we continue on with into our adult life as well. Yes. And I talk about that in the book. I talk about the difference between a dream builder, Mm -hmm. a dream weaver, um, and a, and actually someone who discourages and kills dreams. You know, many of us aren't in the careers or weren't, I wasn't in the career that I really absolutely should have been in because I listened to non-doers. Mm-hmm. And, and most of the time we go to individuals for information without making sure that they're qualified to help advise us or direct us. So I advise individuals in the book to think about reaching out to people who have achieved what you're looking to achieve in life. Uh, Individuals who have a track record that can help lend credibility, but also get involved and help support you in whatever it is you're trying to attain. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times what resonates with you and when, when we do that, when we do uh, things that we enjoy, uh, mm-hmm. that we like, uh, mm-hmm. It's just so much easier. And uh, our concept also of work is something that I have to do to pay the bills and all that. Correct. And I think there is like the mindset already. St- we start off wrong on this. this we do. Path. And so that that change, mm-hmm. we can actually enjoy what we're doing, make money and pay the bills and uh, do it with a smile. But we don't see it that way often. And, you know, some of that is generational. If you think about it, Um If you can compare every generation, at least the last five or six um, that have been in the workforce, and I can tell you in Generation X, for me, very much when I was growing up, you got the advice that you were looking for a career that had stability. It was almost never talked about passion. What is passion? No, you get a job to make good money, to pay bills, feed yourself, pay the rent, you know, those retire, those type of things. And no one really, um, for me, and certainly for many that I coach, gave us that advice um, to think bigger and to dream big. And now when I look at my young adult children and we talk about careers, it is very much a different context and conversation. It's not about going and having a role relative to just income and financial outputs. They want both. And I love that. And that's the encouragement I talk about in this book, how to have both. That's the your terms piece Mm -hmm. that you get to have ownership and accountability uh, for taking stock in what you contribute to the world. And uh, but what about all these voices? So how can we deal with them, especially not just the parents, friends, but also society itself might say like, okay, you're a woman and this job might not be good for you in engineering and stuff. So how how can we counteract that and just make sure that our terms are really respected and appreciated enough? You know, at first, you're so correct. And I think it first begins with who you share your dreams and aspirations with and to. 
Um, I will give you one experience when in the workplace, I often would ask my leader a boss, what do you think my next role should be? What do you think I would be good at? And I put so much stock and energy in their answer. And if their answer wasn't what I liked, I would feel rejected, dejected, and, and, and it, it didn't land well. And I learned that we need to reverse that frame of mindset. And instead of asking our leaders, we should spend the intentional time figuring out what we want to do, what we want to accomplish. So really around our purpose. But the second piece is the why. And then when you're having conversations with your mentors, sponsors, leaders within the organization, when you exude a certain amount of confidence in what you're trying to do, but also your goals are realistic, you know, and they're smart goals, you will find, and it's been my experience in most cases, people will get energized and on board with helping you um, and be more supportive. But if we're purely coming in asking, and we have to be careful again, who we ask, um, I think in many cases, we will not truly live out our dreams or we won't really be doing the work that we were designed and authored to do in the world. Yeah. One of, one of the issues, though, and one of the difficulties, I, I, I think, is when you say about being authentic, uh, when we look around in society, often we're not in our in our personal lives, right. we're not authentic. And sometimes uh, that seems to be the situation uh, kind of necessary in certain times because or we think we don't want to hurt other people and so on. But then the same happens at work. And if you cannot mm -hmm. be fully authentic or be vulnerable or show yourself because then you're afraid that will have repercussions. So how can we negotiate between those two things? What do you truly feel and how you're supposed to appear? There's a conflict you know, there, Austin. You're absolutely, you know, spot on in, in, in many cases. And I found, and, and I would venture to think, this may be the story of many people who will have an opportunity to read the book, is that you think you are showing up authentic. Mm -hmm. You think you are happy. But in most cases, you're unfulfilled mm -hmm. and you are pretending and masking the true version of who you are for fear of judgment, not being accepted or the implications that it could have on your career journey um, or even aspirations or mobility. And for me, I didn't even know it. I thought I was good, but I wasn't good. And I didn't know that I wasn't truly being my authentic self until someone actually saw me and told me. And the words that they use were life-changing. And uh, you know, someone who's a life coach literally looked me in the eyes in a work setting. She was there to speak and said, stop apologizing when the mere essence of who you are intimidates others. That's their issue, not yours. Mm -hmm. There is an environment in every work environment, every role, every culture is not for everyone. And that's okay. That's the beauty of discovery and trying new things. If being exactly who you are is not welcomed in the environments in which you are in, the power is how do you either do one or two things? Influence it so that others can see their ability and impact on you. Number two, share your truth in a way that allows others to see you. Or three, leave. 
But all of those options give you power and give you actions to influence the environment you're in so that others too can feel safe being their authentic selves. And, and, and that power we have, but we don't notice it. We don't see it. We often feel stuck, but in, in, in many cases, we're not stuck. And actually, in almost all cases, we're not stuck. We have right. options in front of us. And so, as you say, if you don't like it, leave. It makes If it makes you unhappy, find something else. And that is something that's always there, but we don't perceive it because we feel dragged down by our, our current situation by worries, by un unfounded fears often. And so, and also of being liked and being accepted. And that's why we conform so much. But in mm -hmm. that, that negotiation, we're losing the, the true part that is ourselves. And we're, we're, I, I like the idea that you, you're talking about the mask. Absolutely. I think we, yes. we all are wearing these masks and we're wearing it because we're afraid. It's out of fear that we do that. It's fear and the second piece to that, you just hit on it very beautifully, rejection. Mm -hmm. Part of human nature, we look to, for connections or the ability to have relationships and the core word in relationships is the ability to relate. Mm -hmm. And the more we feel comfortable relating, you know, the more we feel like there's shared um, connections and synergies with others, but the more different we feel than others, and sometimes and in some cases, it could feel wrong, like something's wrong with you, that your difference isn't valued. It's not acknowledged or it's not welcome. And those are the hard challenges we have. But one of the things that I talk about in the book, it's a kind of a questionnaire to help people do that self-discovery and, and go through that process to think about and truly say, am I showing up as my authentic self? But the second piece to that, what is the gift we give to others and the permission we give to others? When we are authentic, it makes it so much more easier for the next person to be authentic. Mm -hmm. And when we see others with their mask and operating in a place of fear, how do we help and how do we show more inclusion? Um, that's the journey I think we should all be on in whatever community or organization we're in. Mm -hmm. I, I love the self-discovery and I think it's it's really continuous at like any age it's like new things that you discover and be open to that and explore mm -hmm. it and say okay this is something I hadn't thought about and I think what what the the pandemic also kind of forced us to a standstill so because we had a bit more time we didn't have to commute some of us didn't have jobs and so on we we thought more about it and then we switched careers and we see yes. that that's that's going on and that's a good thing I I, I applaud that in many place you know there um, certainly was a lot for us to um, feel sad about as it relates to the pandemic so many lives lost so many businesses individuals lost roles women uh, in the workplace you you name it it just had so many impacts but there were a number of revelations Mm -hmm. and good things that came out of this. And I think it forced, and I can tell you for me, it forced a greater degree of self-reflection and self-discovery um, about how I even show up even more because we had to be authentic in a different way. Uh, our hairdressers, you know, all of those things were shut down. We were <laughs> home, we were in our personal environments. People got to see us 
remove different mask. <laughs> and and it it was I don't know about you, but everyone that I interacted with and worked with, it made it brought more authentic and deeper connections and relationships. And we got to know each other from different vantage points. And it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it, it's amazing also with like contacts with friends and family members. I mean, people mm -hmm. would say, yeah, you'd occasionally see them. But uh, when it turned to online communication, it became suddenly more intimate and more frequent and easier. And so it didn't feel like a chore in many cases. And I, I think that's that's kind of ironic because we say technology is distancing us. At the same time, we can also use it to connect more and, uh, for example, have this podcast from different places, uh, yeah. something that didn't exist before. So and social media as well, we often uh, see the negative side, but I, I look at the positive side as well. Okay. People opened up. And once you do that, once you're being authentic and vulnerable and so on, it uh, again, it has repercussions on others and they open up in turn and they don't feel isolated. It's like, I thought I was the only one that was feeling this. So yeah. I, I think there's this wonderful opportunity that uh, that has come about and that we have in many cases taken advantage of. And, you know, a couple of other things, it, I will tell you, it helped us connect differently with our family because mm -hmm. it forced my grandmother to learn how to use FaceTime and video, you know, those things. She never had a value proposition to do it. But then we all began, even from a generational standpoint, we had to learn new skills. Mm -hmm. In some cases, it even made the work environment more inclusive. Because through technology, you have tools where you can raise your hand uh, and think about it just in a meeting where everyone is physically located. It's sometimes hard for some people to interrupt the dialogue and be heard. But now you have a tool to where you can silently raise your hand and people could know that you want to be heard. You have something you want to say. So it was a lot of positive things. Uh, that has come out of um, technology and our new way of working. Yeah, I, I'm an instructor and I'm in education and I've been doing it for, for a couple of decades now. And when, when the shift happened right at the beginning, mm -hmm. at the onset of the pandemic, I was strongly against moving classes online because yeah. I thought it can't be done. It's not good. It's not the same with teaching. And uh, I was wrong. And But it's, it's kind of that, that opening up to it. It's like, mm -hmm. I felt like, it won't be possible. I won't be good enough to use the technology because I'm from a different generation and all that. But um, it worked out fine. And I think that kind of openness of, I actually, in many cases, prefer it more. Uh, I still like both, but I think uh, it has other things that are good and beneficial too. And as you're saying, that that whole, uh, it opens up uh, many spaces that you didn't have and you can present and share your screen and technology and people yeah. are connecting from their homes. So they're more authentic. It's not yes. just in this artificial classroom. So you get, uh, it becomes more personal that way as well. I think you're correct. And, and it allowed us even being in a person's home, having a discussion, mm -hmm. there is something relative to your subconscious that brings a different level of authenticity when I'm able to meet you in an environment that I feel safe in, mm -hmm. in an environment that feels loving and that I'm comfortable in, mm -hmm. it impacts how I show up. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so many good things uh, mm -hmm. that has come out of our new way of connecting. 
Now, I'm also curious what uh, started, uh, what was your motivation behind your book? What started it? And you, you oh. talked about some some letdowns, your passion and so on. So, yeah, what, what was the, uh, uh, the source here? What made you write your book? Well, let me tell you a funny story that um, didn't go the way I thought it would go, but absolutely was meant to be. I've always wanted to write a book. The first book I wrote, I wrote, it was more of a family memoir around five generations of women in my family. And it was safe because I was able to do that with others. I didn't feel like I was stepping out on my own and as vulnerable. But about a year ago, I was attending a Women of Power conference. And this conference is primarily dedicated to women of color. And a large degree, it's held by Black Enterprise for Black women. And I was at the conference. I was on a panel. And my daughter was there, I had a lot of my colleagues from my current organization and previous organization in the audience. It was just phenomenal environment to be in. And I had finished you know, my segment within the panel and they had opened the floor for questions. And a young lady stood up and said, you mentioned a model called SIS, S-I-S, you got this. Where can I learn more about that, that model? And I promise you, I had never thought of this and never said these words in my life before, but authentically and naturally, I responded by saying, you'll have to purchase my new book coming out later this year. And get this, I said, it's called Finding Your Authentic Rhythm. Now I had never said this before and the women in the audience went to yelling, yes, ah. And then I thought in my mind, oh crap, what did I just do? What did I just say? You know, and again, my daughter was in the audience and immediately when that session was over, she was like, mom, I don't know where that came from, but I think your souls actually spoke what you know you need to be doing and what the universe needed to hear. Now get to writing. And that's how the journey began. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And it's and, and, and those those are the moments we should really cherish and appreciate. And that that guide us, I think. When mm -hmm. when we are trapped in the in the that negative outlook or that mm -hmm. we're stuck, we can't advance, we miss out on all those signs and signals that are there yeah. and coincidences that are happening. And and that moment brought about this uh, this book and 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 your 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 passion shines through it too and your experience as well i mean you have uh, 25 years of leadership experience so you are you are talking about things that you know about as well yeah it's it's been a amazing journey and and what i hope people will hear it's scary for me too <laughs> i have real fears but Writing this book, going through this journey, makes me more emboldened to show people the beauty of what opening a dream looks like. Mm -hmm. It's not easy, but it's so worth it. Mm -hmm. And and be clear of what success looks like for you. Define success on your terms. Mm -hmm. You know, put goals that anchor around things that are meaningful to you. And, and that gives you joy. So when the hard days come, when you're up all night trying to accomplish these things, you have the energy to do it because the work is worth it for you. When you haven't done that self-discovery and you're doing it for others and not for yourself, that's when we give up. 
That's when we stop these new year resolutions. These things <laughs> sound amazing. But if we're honest, we're really not passionate about it. It's, it just looks good on paper. But I, again, if there's nothing else I want people to hear, do the self-discovery work. The answers that you will learn about yourself and the direction that it will give you to course correct whatever stage or age you are in life, mm -hmm. I promise you, it's worth the journey. Yeah, I want to reiterate that it's it's difficult, it's hard, but it's so much worth it. And once yes, once you've gone through it, as as somebody who has experienced that, and I look back, I said it was so worth it. I do it all over again. Yes. And so I think that's something. But we we are often like trying to be realistic, and that's good. I mean, we do want to be realistic, but I think we also want to be aware of limitations. And Correct. so if your a, a realistic outlook is is limited, try to push a bit beyond that, not too much, but yes. you know, just add an extra zero to your salary that you're imagining. It might come true, you know, and uh, not limiting yourself in, in, in ways, but also again, uh, not being all, all again with New, New Year's resolutions, we're not being often realistic and we expect too much and then we get we frustrated and, and we and, stop. And, the, and, and to some degree, we, we don't really surround ourselves with a really good team of people who will provide uh, the sage wisdom advice, mm -hmm. but also help us to understand if this is feasible. And we need people in our life that will hold us accountable. Mm -hmm. That won't, I don't know about you, but any goal I've ever had in life, I have only been able to accomplish those things when I had a really good accountability partner. Someone that on those tough days, or even if it was going to the gym, if I had a partner, I was more likely to go than if it was solely left upon me getting up and going. And even in writing this book and going through this process, I'm very grateful for the team that I've surrounded myself with. And, and, and I talk about in the book how to create a board of directors, how to create a team of individuals and what the composition of the team should look like. And even the mindset, because a lot of it starts with our mind. And we really need positive people to surround us uh, mm -hmm. who are also practical and will mm -hmm. be honest with us um, as we go through the process of attaining our goals. Mm -hmm. and, and and try to kind of also like we cannot please everyone, even within yeah. our, our own network where you have a right. family and, and maybe mm -hmm. sometimes a spouse. And it's there's sometimes you have to go your own path and feel okay about that in certain situations again. And I think that's that's important because one thing I, I've always thought about is like, I want everyone to like me, but then that's not a realistic outlook again. So we wanna say, it's okay if they don't. And it's not something that really reflects badly on me. It's just, there's a difference there and that's fine. And to accept that it's not gonna be easy and not everyone will be on board, but mm. the people who matter, as you're saying here, your 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 close network, yes. they need to be on board, and then it's perfect. You're fine. You can't please everyone. Absolutely, and you know, yeah. that was one of the mistakes that I made. Yeah, thinking everyone would like me. Yeah, the first leader job I had, I thought that was success. I thought that was the goal, and you'll find that that's not realistic. It's not always the case, which if you are really grounded in your purpose and your why, you also need to know your why. That's the second chapter in the book. When you it, 
by the lack of connections with others or that someone doesn't like you or believe in what you're trying to achieve, it will force you or cause you to go off path. Mm -hmm. But when you've done that work and those things happen, you may stumble a minute, you know, because we all are human and we have emotions, but you'll get right back at it and get right back on course because you'll know for every one person that doesn't like what you're doing or saying or trying to contribute, you have five or 10 or 20 that will. Mm -hmm. And that's where you need to put your energy. <laughs> and that's what matters. Exactly. That's Those matters. are the ones who, who matter. Absolutely. Um, yeah, perfect. And so what what would be uh, some tips you would give to corporate America? I mean, we uh -huh. talked about like to our audience and how connecting with this have been authentic. But for corporate America, how what what are some things advice you would give them? One piece of advice I would give to corporate America, when you're looking at attracting talent inside of your organization um, and a, you hire an individual into the company, that individual comes with a unique set of skills, experiences, talent, but you're also getting an individual that brings a culture with just within who they are as a human being. Leverage them and allow them to integrate into your organization. Don't ask them to change. Every piece and part of who they are has the propensity and the ability to help your company become more innovative, have higher performance, and better understand their customers. Because believe you me, that individual is representative of the population you're either trying to sell something to or serve. I want to be able to integrate and not assimilate. When you ask employees to assimilate, you may be asking them to fundamentally change who they are. And that's not the gift. And that's not what people are looking to contribute when they join their company. So that would be my advice. I very much like that. I, I, I see that many companies are set in their mission and their views mm -hmm. and their purpose. Uh, and, and that's good to be determined. But sometimes it's they're too much, they're too determined or they're they're set and they're they're rigid. And so we saw that with the pandemic, too, where it's like, this is how we do things. And then the pandemic said, no, that's not how you're doing things because you won't be successful if you stick to the old ways of doing things. So I think there's a, an openness that is necessary. And I think every individual adds to it with their their own experience, their own culture, their their knowledge. And I see it like a soup because that's the spices that add flavor to it. It might change the whole flavor of it for the better. But be open to that. I think that would something I would add to to, to yeah, talk about. Openness is, you know, very important. And, and my piece of advice to individuals, because I recognize mm -hmm. that being authentic is a lifelong process and journey because we will change over time. Mm -hmm. And it, it requires a great deal of courage mm -hmm. to be different, uh, particularly if you don't fit societal norms or even environmental norms within your organization. But I made a promise to myself, and I hope people will listen to this. If I win in life, I want to win on my terms. If I lose, I want to lose being me because then it was worth the loss because I know wherever I was or whatever I was doing, it wasn't for me. But it's so much harder when you lose and you didn't lose being who 
you were because you were trying to be what everyone else thought you should be. That's a much harder loss. And in a way, it's a win-win situation in that case. When you yourself, you cannot lose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful. Joy Fitzgerald, you're a life coach, author, corporate leader. You're also a devoted mother and wife. And uh, yes. that's really important to, uh, as well, that, that personal aspect of it. As uh, And you're a chief diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion officer as well. Uh, and um, your book is called Finding, Finding Authentic Rhythm, How to Win on Your Terms in Corporate America. Uh, you've been uh, considered, you've been uh, designated a, a rising star. People have said you're a rising star in different organizations, as well by diversity. The journal you've been called woman worth watching and i i, I can only say definitely true definitely oh, a woman worth watching so kind of you star. i'm humble to hear thank you so much thank you so much for being on the rashes wolf and talking to you and giving your your wonderful views and uh, insights here and sharing it with our audience well it has been a pleasure to me and i think the work you're doing certainly is a gift um, to society as well. And I would just welcome anyone, if you're interested in learning more about me or hearing more of my journey, you can find me anywhere at SpeakingJoy, speakingjoy.com. I'd, I'd love to, for you to get connected as we grow in our authentic rhythm together. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you.